Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to this week's Squiggly Career Podcast. My name is Helen. I'm one of the co-founders of a business called Amazing If, and I am here as ever with my other co-founder, Sarah. Hi, everyone. And if you're new to the Squiggly Careers Podcast, I should probably just take one minute to tell you what it is, why we spend our time talking to you every week about careers. Sarah and I, and what we do in Amazing If, it's all about helping people to develop the skills to succeed in a squiggly career, because what we recognise is that the shape of careers has changed quite a lot. The careers that we thought we might have had were kind of more predictable, more linear, but the careers that we are experiencing and a lot of the people that we coach and train are experiencing, there's a lot more change in them. They're moving around their organisation organizations more they're not staying in roles as long as they thought they would maybe they're moving professions or countries maybe they're trying different types of work so they're doing full-time or part-time or flexible or remote um, and there's just almost a lot more a lot more diversity and what we've realized is that that can feel great because it can give you loads more chances to grow but it can also feel a bit scary if you've not got the right skills to help you stay in control of that and that is exactly why we want to help people in all the ways that we do that this podcast is just one of the ways you can go to amazing if com if you want to read about some of the other things that we do but this is our kind of weekly dose of actionable stuff to help you with your career and this week the thing that we're going to be talking about is kind of like career funks when you feel a bit stuck in your career and where this came from was we do a daily instagram story where we do a really, really quick career tip every day on Instagram stories. And I was doing one about two weeks ago because I was having a bit of a uh, day at work and I was like, oh, I can't find my mojo, basically. And I did a poll, not thinking much about it, asking the people that watch those stories every day, you know, whether they felt fine or whether they also felt in a funk. And I don't know what I was expecting, really, but what came out of that poll on Instagram stories was that 75% of the people that watch those stories felt that they were in a bit of a career funk they felt a bit stuck they felt not as happy as they kind of wanted to be in their career and I thought gosh that we need to do a podcast on how you get unstuck in your career how you get out of this funk how you can kind of re-energize yourself and reconnect with your career so that's what this podcast episode is all about Uh, we're going to talk about some of the ways in which we might have felt like that at some points in our career and then we're going to get straight into five ways in which we think you can get unstuck so that you can take some action but before we get into that I think it's useful to get into 
a definition a little bit because when I was talking to Sarah of how um okay I think we should do this podcast it's like career funk I don't know if I describe it like that and so Sarah I guess over to you to do you identify with it and if you do and you wouldn't describe it as a career funk what what does it feel like to you how do you describe it yeah I guess when you talked about it I suppose it's not a word that I would use but I think the sentiment is spot on I think we all have periods of time in our career where we feel a bit stuck lost or unsure about what to do next or there's there's something there's almost something not right but it's one of those things where it's not really specific you can't go oh I know I'm feeling this way because of this and therefore I know what I need to do about it or there's maybe too many factors involved that makes you feel like oh I'm just not really sure what I sh- what I should do first and actually when I start to think about this more I liked thinking about it as times when you feel like you're in flux rather than in flow so I think we probably talked before on the podcast around feeling in flow at work and that being a brilliant thing where you're effortlessly focused and immersed in what you're doing you have real purpose in your work which is what we all aspire to and almost I was thinking what's the opposite of flow and it's to me it would be flux and it's just those moments of going something's not right but I'm not sure why and I and I feel Mm. like I'm not moving forward for some reason. Yeah, I agree with you. I was thinking kind of what what does this actually mean to me? And I think it's a something has triggered me to question what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And I think sometimes it's a bit of sometimes it's boredom. I think the triggers for me if I'm kind of because I like to be stimulated all the time. If I'm not stimulated or if yeah, or I'm just doing the same thing, like maybe it's a bit monotonous at work. I really question, oh, gosh, this is not exciting me. I think I have that need to feel excited and engaged which you know maybe it's unrealistic to feel like that all the time um and there are certain like you know the odd day of feeling like oh this isn't quite as exciting as fine I think it's when it it goes over um you know a couple of weeks and a couple of months and you just feel a bit uh, about your career then then it starts to feel like a waste of time and a waste of opportunity mm. so in terms of times in your career Sarah when you've had it have there been any I guess are there any triggers for it for you just generically and have there been any points in your career where you felt like you've kind of been a bit stuck or you've kind of not been as happy as you'd like to have been yeah I was trying to think of specific examples because I think that's probably where you can be we can be most helpful for people Mm. and for me there was one very specific one um that I could really recall when I was thinking about the flux you know versus flow and that was when I first joined Sainsbury's so I joined Sainsbury's to create a new team and had been recruited by, you know, over quite a long period of time by the person I was going to be working for, who I knew quite well by the time I joined. And I think within like two or three weeks of me joining, my direct boss resigned. And then within about two or three months of that person leaving, the person who was due to be my new boss, who was arriving from a different company, decided to change their mind, basically. Decided not to Decided not to join. And I was in a brand new organisation a brand new industry, trying to build something from scratch and didn't know anyone. And I think my first instinct there was that uh, almost like fight or flight thing that our brain goes into when we're feeling like there's almost too much change or I want to escape. That's kind of our natural primitive brain, I think, going into kind of action. And and I, I did, I really, I seriously considered, and it's, you know, it's ironic given I, I stayed there very happily for like six years in, with the benefit of hindsight, but I really considered thinking, oh, I've made a mistake here, this is not right, but I, I felt really stuck, I really wasn't kind of sure what to do about it. And the best thing that I did during that time of feeling very much in flux, it felt you know really heightened and I wasn't really sure what to do. 
I wasn't really sure. I didn't have anyone internally I could have a conversation with because I didn't really like know anyone. <laughs> so mm. I, was, I, I was having that real, um, like I was a really small fish in a really big pond in a company I didn't really understand at that time. And actually even the team around me was in quite a lot of, you know, they were obviously all experiencing the same things that I was, even if they'd been there longer, their, their boss had still left. And so there was just so much change happening. And yeah, the thing that helped me the most was I had a conversation with somebody external to the company and they asked me such a good question. I think I'd sort of probably gone into like feeling a bit sorry for myself and going, oh, you know, I thought this was going to be amazing. And then all these things have happened and blah, 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 like feel, feeling very like fit to me. Um, this is this is a disaster. It's kind of the end of the world. And she said, oh, you know, I kind of I understand it. But it must feel like quite a difficult time at the moment or you obviously you feel a bit unsure what to do. Uh, what are all the things that you do like? What are all the things that you enjoy? And then it was really interesting because then I could probably I probably talked for longer about all the things that I did like about Sainsbury's. So everybody I, I had met felt like they were really passionate about what they did. I really liked the kind of values of the company. I actually really liked the products that we sold. I was really interested in the industry. So there was actually quite a lot of good stuff there for me to think about and, mm. and good stuff to reflect on. But I had completely somehow I'd put all of that to kind of one side and was very, you know, you get very selfish, don't you, in these kind of situations. Mm. And you're really focusing on, like, how you're feeling. And then the two things I think that I did differently that helped me go from, I don't think I necessarily went from flux to flow, like, overnight. I think that's probably quite unrealistic in these situations. But what I did do is stopped feeling quite as lost and unsure and started feeling more of a sense of, you know, purpose and more immersed in what I was doing, was just reframing like what I was there to do. I think I'd got all these big grand plans about what I was going to do. And I just started to go, right, what are some small actions I could take? And at the time I was working with a graduate, a lady called Alex McDonald, who, who I'm still in touch with now because we got on so well. And the two of us basically just created our own little SWAT team, uh, Sainsbury's <laughs> first, first ever content team as we were at the time. And rather than thinking, oh, you know, I need to change everything kind of all overnight, the two of us were just really specific about all the small actions we wanted to take that were in our control that we felt we could do something about and then we just almost like a little pincer movement went around so making those sorts of things happen and I think because I've got such a high achievement value once I could start to see us making progress even if that progress perhaps was very different to the progress I'd imagined I then just started to get my mojo back I think mojo is a really useful word here mm. and the other thing I did was actually there's probably no coincidence that at this time exactly this point of time I created my first ever learning program so almost a very early iteration of what amazing if became I uh, created a program called magpie which was like a leadership accelerator program for people from lots of different companies and it was like a six-week program once a week in an evening and it's just something I created out of nowhere essentially I've got no wasn't in a master plan or it wasn't like I'd got lots of expertise in that area but I just thought oh I love to learn I've had loads of amazing learning opportunities so far in my career I want to share them in some way and I recognized that I just wasn't at the right point to do that in my company so I I sort of did something I was proactive I guess took initiative and did something outside of my company so I think that combination for me of reframing get a better understanding of kind of where I was in the company reframing what success looked like and then looking for other opportunities and exploring other things outside of my company simultaneously transformed my experience in that role. Because actually it was another four or five months until I did get a boss, actually. Uh, yeah, you know, that, yeah. It took, took a while for that person because obviously these are very big jobs. They take a long time to recruit for. 
But during that, say, nine months where I could potentially have been in flux the whole time, I was probably only in flux for half of that and then sort of moved my way slowly and surely kind of out of flux for the second half. There's a lot in there that I can relate to. I was thinking about the the time when I have felt most sort of stuck or kind of in like a more of a funk or lost my mojo, whatever you call it. Um, and, and there's definitely been a few times when I was trying to look at the consistencies. But the, the one time that I can think of when I first joined Virgin, I've, I joined this business as kind of head of the business. I found that out on day one. My job title changed on day one uh, because there was a lot of change going on and I was head of this business and I could see pretty quickly that the business wasn't really working. Um, so it, it's like it was it was still productive and it was still it was like a service-based insight business and it was still doing some great work and there was some great talent in the business but it it sometimes felt like it was a real effort to sell it. So to, we were selling to the Virgin companies and sometimes the supply demand thing didn't feel quite right. It felt like we were going, this is what we do. It's really, really great. And, and, and you know, the people that were, should be buying it were going, we don't want it anymore. And I remember just feeling like, oh God, I've, I've taken this thing on, but I would never have built it like this. So this wouldn't be, and I felt like I was just managing something that I wouldn't have built, if that makes sense. And I was thinking about the point when you said, that you kind of came into the role and there was lots of change around you. So you didn't have these senior leaders, you didn't have that clarity of direction. And even though I had a great manager, I also felt a little bit like, hmm, kind of that where's that clarity of direction about what this business is supposed to be here for, what it's trying to achieve. And it still sort of didn't really exist. And I sort of felt like I was, I don't know, just driving something forward that I didn't believe was the right thing to do. And I definitely felt a bit like, oh my gosh, this this just isn't right. What do I do with it? This isn't making me happy. This isn't me showing up in my best because of sort of what I've got and I think it would have been a time that I could have been a bit victim mode about the whole thing Uh, there were definitely days when I went home going oh I don't think I'm doing the job that I want to do or could do or showing up in a way that I want you know I want to be in terms of my brand and my impact um yeah and I think there were two two ways I could have gone I could have stayed at home and gone oh I think this business will close down and been a bit sort of victim mode about it but what I actually did instead was I went and had a conversation and with my manager in Geneva, with the CEO of Virgin, talked about my honest views on the business and what I thought should happen with it and basically kind of co-created a new future for the people in that business and the direction of it. And and then it became something far more productive, far more exciting, basically sort of built built a new business out of the uh, the foundations of this, this one here. Um, and what that taught me from that process was that personally, I... I feel like I, I kind of lose my mojo if I feel like I'm bored if I haven't kind of got that exciting vision that I can connect to if it hasn't got the pace or the energy like I don't feel like I'm building it they're like triggers for me of going this is going to not make me feel very good and similar to Sarah it's probably when I'll just start doing stuff outside of work to get my fill elsewhere which is a good thing but doesn't always solve the problem which is how do you get this in your job but the other thing that I, I learned about how I responded to that situation was that I, and I think you guys listening as well, have the ability to create change. We don't always have to wait for other people. Like I didn't have to wait for someone on high to decide what to do with that business. I could come with a proposal, suggest my thoughts. It didn't mean it would be the outcome, but I could put that effort into it. That was, um, it was the same at BP as well. When um, we had a new marketing director came into the company, it wasn't my responsibility to say how I thought that team should be structured but I pulled my thoughts together and I said, this is what I think is working. This is what I'm not not working. These are some recommendations I would put to you. That wasn't in my job to do it. But I think if you take yourself out of victim mode of 
this isn't great, my job's not great, I've not got a manager, I don't think this is right, and you're just sort of sitting in it, that sort of victim mode, I think you can still say some of that stuff that, I don't think this is right, I haven't got a manager, but it's the, okay, so what can I do about it? I could put some suggestions in place, I could see if, you know, some. I could work more closely with a manager in another department, or there, I think there are always actions that you can take if you have a mindset for improving things rather than the mindset for kind of just sitting with it and expecting somebody else to solve a problem for you. Yeah and I think one of the points that you kind of made there that I think was the same in my situation is if you're feeling in flux the likelihood is that there are probably other people feeling the same way And this is my point, you often get quite closed and very kind of focused on yourself and your own world in these situations because you are feeling a bit unsure and a bit stuck. And so you almost protect yourself. But the best thing I ever did at that point in time um, at Sainsbury's when I was feeling this way was actually share almost share that problem with my graduate so you know poor Alex was probably, mm-hmm. you know, this was her first ever job but she could feel it she could feel okay she'd also been recruited to this brand new team where there was literally just two of us she could also see okay well we haven't really got any senior sponsors at the moment we're not really sure exactly what we're meant to be doing and actually when I sort of started to say to her okay let's you know what we can face that. Let's be realistic about that. It's not about ignoring it or being like relentlessly positive in the face of some challenges. I think you have got to be realistic. But almost then together, I felt like we overcame it and built something. So you don't have to, I think, knowing that you don't always have to do this stuff by yourself as well is really powerful because when you are in this kind of state of flux or feeling kind of a bit down, actually pulling yourself up and taking all of these actions by yourself can feel very yeah, hard or quite scary. Whereas actually doing this with other people, you know, making a proposal to a manager with somebody else and working on something collaboratively, even if it doesn't go anywhere or if it doesn't end up being kind of the answer, actually even just the process of working on that with somebody else can be really valuable. I agree. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
So I guess we've shared a couple of our experiences and some of the things that we did in the moment. We've also taken a step back and thought, you know, independent of what we've experienced, what are five things that we can advocate for you listening to to do if you're feeling like this at the moment so maybe if we go through this Sarah, i'll start with the first one and then we'll kind of go share Great. back and forth so people listening get a bit of variety of um of us speaking so after the first one we have talked a little bit about this but the first action that you we think you can take if you're feeling like this is to focus on what you can control so there are some things within your situation sarah couldn't go and hire a new manager for example but what she could control was her attitude and potentially her behaviors and and then the actions that then she then took. So on attitude, was reminded of a piece of work and some content that's been developed by someone called Sean Acker earlier this week. Sarah and I were doing a course, and we played a short video from Sean Acker, who's done a lot of work on something called well, it's the happiness advantage, but it's the importance of happiness at work. And one of the things that has come out of his work is that the way that we think about success is sometimes is a, we think about it the wrong way around. So he talks about most people think about success as work of being like. Um, if you have put effort into things, then basically effort can correlate to success. So that's kind of where people, and then success correlates to happiness. But he says that actually what he has proven through his research is that's that's the wrong way of thinking because all that happens is you kind of keep moving the success bar and then you never kind of get to this, this end of the rainbow state of happiness that we're all looking for. Um, so he says that actually the much more effective way to be sustainably happy at work is to start with being happy, start with being positive. A bit like what Sarah was saying about that person that said well what is good in this situation if you start with kind of the positive and the happy then you are more likely to be successful and so I think that is the thinking about focusing on what you can control you can control your mindset you can control how you respond to things you can control your behaviors so if you're being open and collaborative rather than closed and defensive for example in these situations or literally just your body language sometimes I think when you feel a bit like you've lost your mojo at work little things like you can be a bit slumpy in a meeting you can put yourself at the back of the room and not engage I think this is the exact time where you need to take a deep breath and almost force yourself not to do that force yourself to kind of reframe your thinking get engaged um because to the point around happiness it will it will make you more connected it will kind of help you to feel happier about what you're doing and then that in turn has a relationship to how successful you'll be And so another top tip, I guess top tip number two, is to think a bit about what your values are and then how they influence and impact when you might end up feeling this kind of state of flux or uh, feeling like you've kind of lost your mojo. Often not feeling great about stuff or feeling a bit stuck is very closely related to not getting to live your values. You can kind of see if you ever draw kind of a squiggly line of like how you're feeling and how much you live your values, often the higher they both are, the kind of the happier you are. And so some of you might have listened, but we've recorded a podcast previously on like how to discover your values, how important they are. It's number 42, if that helps people. <gasps> Good, knowledge. Good knowledge. Good <laughs> knowledge. That's like you've done your research there. Um, or I and... looked at my phone and just got the number while you were talking. But I could <laughs> pretend that I know every single right. number of our podcast episodes. <laughs> That's what you should have done. You should have just like faked it. It would have been fine. No one would have Always known. honest. Always honest. Um, and if you're thinking, okay, one, one podcast listen for this week is enough. The, the way to get into your... Uh, values quickly without kind of doing it in too much of a kind of deep and meaningful way is just think about what's important to you about things ask yourself that question what's important to me about what I work on where I work who I work with who I work for 
And just the answers to those kind of questions give you at least some clues as to what your values might be. So for me, one of the things that's really important to me about what I work on is always feeling like I'm learning something new. I always like to feel like I'm developing myself, developing other people around me, acquiring new knowledge, skills. I, I like absolutely love to learn. And so even just knowing that very quickly about me, that tells you a lot about the sort of environment and the people where I would really thrive and actually where maybe that doesn't exist, where, you know, how, I, how that might make me feel you know, a bit unsure and a bit uncertain. Like when I was first at Sainsbury's, you could argue, oh, I should have been learning loads because I was in a brand new environment, you know, loads of people to learn. But I was almost so unsure and so sort of stuck, this kind of little fish, that I almost wasn't even sure where to start. So I didn't even feel like I could quite get on like the learning train, if that makes sense. So that learning was missing for me because I, I kind of wasn't even doing anything to kind of know know what to learn. And with that one, I um, have kind of four main values, which are freedom, growth, energy and achievement. And I find it really helpful. I mean, I do this for lots of different reasons, but if I'm ever feeling a bit like, you know, not great in a, in a career moment, I can take a step back and look at each of those and almost give them a score out of 10 and say, well, OK, well, it's freedom is 10 out of 10. Growth is this energy is this. Oh, but achievements probably about four out of 10. And it gives me almost like a bit of a compass on where to focus my attention because I can think, OK, part, you know, living your values is what makes you happy at work. So if I've got one of them that doesn't feel as fulfilled, it helps me to focus my attention on what would it take to get that a bit higher? What could I do differently? And it just makes you sometimes when this is a bit of an emotion, you're not really sure what's driving it. But for me, when I do when I almost like score my values, it just makes it a little bit more practical and something that I can do something about rather than just a feeling that I can't really articulate. Mm. So number three, then, after values is to, if you're feeling uh, kind of in a bit of a slump, to think about and find people and things that can energise you in and outside of work. So sometimes we talk about, um, like, surrounding yourself, um, like, it's, it's not a good thing to surround yourself with people who are, I always feel a bit bad saying this, I always want to whisper it, like, the, the mood hoovers. So the, um, <laughs> or, or the, or the drains at work, the kind of energy drains, the people that just, for whatever reason, and I think this is a bit personal because we all you know different personality types appeal to all of us but for there will be certain types of people that drain your energy and that don't make you feel great and sometimes you can't not spend time with them because it might be they are in your team but I think um, there's a, a saying I don't think it's a, a quote but that you're the product of the five people that you spend the most time with if oh, the five is that people true? Are, yeah 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 well oh, I don't I, I don't I don't know if it's scientifically proven but it's kind of like a known thing you're, you're the product of the five people you spend the most time with mm. and so if you were to think about at work who are the five people you are spending the most time with? And if the majority of those people are slightly more towards the kind of drain mood hoover thing, that is not helping you at all. We need to think about, you know, making sure those five people are more energizers, making sure they're more kind of, I guess, radiators for your energy. And could that be from different teams? Could it be spending time with people outside of work as well so that you're sort of balancing maybe the, the energy depletion that some of those people are creating and I think the same principle can be applied to the work that you're doing so if your kind of energy and satisfaction is the product of the five things you are spending the most time on have a look at those things and are those things also taking energy so for me for example if I thought you know I'm, I'm lucky very very 
fortunate now that I spend all of my time on Amazing If. If I thought, okay, in my day, I'm spending all of my time doing accounting, administration, organising and my inbox, they are not things for me that fill me with energy. Now, they're things that do need doing, but potentially doing all of them every day is not a good thing for me to do, like maybe breaking those out in a week so I get more mixture in my day. Or even if that becomes the predominant use of my time, thinking about, well, could I work with somebody else to do some of that stuff? Because that's not energy creating for me, it's energy depleting. So I guess the very, very specific action is to think about the five people you spend the most time with, the five things that you spend the most time doing and making sure those things are predominantly giving you energy and not taking energy and readdressing the balance if it feels the other way around. So the fourth top tip is knowing and kind of understanding where motivation comes from. And is this the work from Daniel Pink, Helen, yes, in it terms is, of motivation? Yeah. yeah. So he talks a lot about kind of motivation is basically driven by, for most of us, driven by three things. One is a sense of purpose, two, mastery, and three, autonomy. And so just to take each of those um, in turn and kind of explain them a little bit more. So most of us want to feel like, in terms of purpose, that what we do at work matters that it makes a difference whether we're there or not. I think sometimes purpose is talked about so much now that it gets misconstrued or misunderstood as um, everyone feels like they should be saving the world and almost have to apologise if you're if you're not doing that. <laughs> um, and that's not the case at all. I think it's just more of a sense of what I do is making a difference and also people understanding how what you do contributes to the broader team or the broader organisation. I remember actually at Sainsbury's there was always a colleague engagement question around, you know, do you understand how what you do contributes like almost to the organisation as a whole? Can you can you see how what you're doing is kind of laddering up to make the whole big in the sum of the parts? And I think that's a really smart thing to think about if you're leading a team and for your own role because people want it to mean more than just kind of what they're doing day in, day out. So that's kind of purpose. Mastery is around, um, I guess, expertise, albeit not not having to be a real expert in something very specific. For some people, that might be the case. But being seen, I think, as having kind of expertise within whatever it is that you're kind of interested in. And that mastery could be a behaviour. It doesn't have to be a skill. So you might actually go, well, actually, I'm one of the things that I'm really trying to kind of master is like leadership, is leading a team. What does it mean to be a brilliant leader? Asking yourself questions like, why should anyone be led by me? Those sorts of things. Or mastery could be, I actually have, you know, a skill set that I want to be absolutely brilliant at. So could be copywriting it could be programming it might be coding and that's the kind of the mastery so again this could be a skill or behavior it could be a combination of both of those but people are motivated by feeling like I guess it's um continual improvement it's linked to feeling like your work in progress and that you're continually getting better and learning yeah, I, I agree. I find this as well. It's such a good shortcut when I'm working with my team. I can, if, if, say, if I've got a team of people working for me, understanding, like, with mastery, like, how competent do you feel you are? Do you feel like you've got any skill development? Do you feel like you're getting to use the things that you're good at? This work around kind of purpose and mastery and things, it's, it's a really good way of, you know, helping your team to be motivated and understanding as a manager what you can do to help them. You know, can you connect the work that they're doing more to the organisational purpose? Can you help them with their skill development? Can you use their skills in a different place I really buy into the if I sort this out I'm going to have more motivated people so it's a bit of a shortcut to finding out how to do that yeah and the last one is autonomy um I think the most common thing I hear from people in terms of things that annoy them or get in their way at work is feeling like they're micromanaged 
um, you hear this all the time from everybody, including people who are kind of leaders. And yet it's obviously still quite prevalent because it's kind of, I kind of feel like it's something that everybody knows and yet it still happens a lot. Why do you think that is? Why do you I think? don't know. I don't do know, but I'm actually really... I don't, well, this is the thing. I'm really, I am actually increasingly intrigued by it because I hear it so much. You know, my worst case scenario is to be micromanaged. When I interview people, I sort of say, you know, um, what environment do you thrive in? What sort of leaders do you really like, enjoy working for? And ev- I would say every time people's number one thing of where they've been held back or got frustrated, it's always to do with micromanagement. And of course, we all know why sometimes people micromanage. It can be to do with, um, them also wanting to make sure that what gets delivered is the right thing. It might mm. be maybe you, you know, you don't feel you, you feel like there's maybe some gaps in in maybe some of the people in your team. Maybe you're just trying to be helpful. So it's something I really want to think about more. It might even be, um, I guess, a future podcast topic actually, because I think it is such a it, it's so prevalent both in mm. terms of it seems like there are lots of people still micromanaging, and it's a really good question. Like. Is that us? Is that what are we doing it without realizing it? So is it unconscious micromanagement, or is it people consciously going, "No, I think that is the right way to, to lead." Um, but in terms of for motivation, individuals, and I think we all recognize this, want the autonomy to feel like you can make decisions, you can make things happen, you can drive things forward without needing kind of somebody else to tell you what to do the whole time. And I think in the context of squiggly careers, this is only going to become more important to people because structures are becoming flatter within organisations. The kind of shape and nature of leadership is changing. And so actually, I think leaders and kind of everybody as individuals are going to need to get really comfortable with taking individual accountability for outcomes, having this autonomy. And I always think, I kind of can't understand why you wouldn't give it to people because surely it's sort of in your, it benefits you as a leader if people are very kind of outcome focused and take high accountability and it benefits the individual because that's what I want, that's what you want. So um, it's a really interesting topic. It is. I want to get into it more, not now, but I've got, I've got all these mm. thoughts going in my mind about like, why do you do it? I think it, maybe it's like short term impact because if you micromanage, you can see it in the moment. Whereas yeah. maybe, you know, you're playing a longer game, aren't you, with empowering people so they can be their best, but that takes a development time. I don't know. Fascinating. I think we should definitely, we should do something on it, whether it's a podcast or we just do a bit of research. I think it's really, really interesting. Um, all that work, by the way, on um, motivation, so the purpose, mastery and autonomy being a thing that drives motivation, is from Daniel Pink's work on, um, he's a book called Drive. He's also got a TED Talk. And he um, there's also a really good animation that we'll put um, in the links to the resources this week. So, depending on how you like to learn we'll give you a couple of different ways to look into Daniel Pink's work because it's just it's just very it's really interesting stuff and it might not be uh, you might not all have time to read a book on it so we'll give you a few different ways of accessing that work so the last thing then the fifth of our of our tips is to start micro not macro and what I mean by that is that if you're feeling a bit you're not quite happy at work don't start thinking around how can I completely improve my job? How can I completely change everything? Um, I want to you know, sort all this out tomorrow. If you actually just think around what's one thing I could do to make tomorrow better. So it might be I'm going to put a coffee in with someone who gives me energy. It might be I am going to write down a plan for something that excites me. Or it might be I'm going to go to an event outside of work. It doesn't really matter what it is, but start with one thing a day. Because essentially, if you start with each day, like what's one thing I could do to make today better? 
that will then accumulate and become a better job. But I think some people almost freeze in the, I'm not feeling great. I've got to change a whole host of things, some of which aren't in my control in order to feel better. And they don't actually take the action. Whereas the one small thing I can do each day, you know what, for me, I said this on the Instagram story thing. For me, sometimes it's just like, I'll say clearing the decks, but what I really mean is like clearing... I've been clearing my desk, clearing my inbox, like almost getting a bit of a clean slate. If I spend on a day that I'm like, oh gosh, if I just spend like 20 minutes making sure I have a, like a clean workspace and a clean headspace, I guess is what I, what I do. I feel so much better. It completely changes how positive I feel about that each day. And then doing that, you know, every day then becomes a really kind of positive, productive week for me. So whatever you're... I'm really glad you cannot see uh, what, my stu- <laughs> what my study looks like right now, Helen, because it does not look like a clean and productive workspace. Um, however, I am very committed to getting that sorted uh, before the end of the day because uh, I have a partner who is, is very committed in his life to clean and productive workspaces. And I'm, I'm slightly more chaotic, it has to be said. And so I'm literally looking around, I can see like amazing if receipts I can see four cups <laughs> don't scare me um, four cups you see yeah. it's four. Oh my uh, gosh gets him really angry like I just sort of so I don't know I don't know why I do it you know obviously you should take one down when you go to get another cup of tea but I just sort of I don't know I add to them that is, that is okay, mine is not mine is not perfect at the moment I've got like three <laughs> unread books that are just staring at me guiltily so I'm definitely not but I'm not I haven't needed to do it today I, I for me it's just one of those quick actions that I yeah, can take I agree. if I start a day that rude and um, so I'll just do a quick recap then on those five actions then so the first action that you can take is to focus on what you can control the second action is to clue into your values and take action on anything that you feel like you're kind of lacking The third action is to find people and things that energise you inside and outside of work and spend time with them and on those things. The fourth is to look at the drivers of motivation. So that's purpose and mastery and autonomy coming together. That's Daniel Pink's work. And the fifth is to start micro, not macro. Think about the everyday, not kind of the full full year in a job. So that's everything for this week then. But before we kind of wrap up and let you know how you can stay in touch with us, just want to let you know about some resources if you want to get into this stuff a bit deeper. We'll put all this on the um, website. So it'll be on www.amazingif.com. You'll find it there under this episode title. We mentioned the Values podcast. We mentioned Daniel Pink's work. And earlier on, we mentioned Sean Acker and his work on happiness. A couple of other things we think is really good. Um, so there is a book called The Art of Being Brilliant, which is by two Andys, Andy Cope and Andy Whitaker. It's a really nice kind of fun read but there are bits in there about that whole um the energy drain and energy hoovers and uh kind of people that give you energy so that's quite a good part of that book it's also a really nice book um and then there's an uh, it's a website and an app uh, called the unstuck app if you go to www.unstuck.com um that's a really good resource for you to spend some time with as well it has lots of actionable things and it. it's nice nice design as well so it doesn't feel too too hardcore or heavy going so there are some of the resources that we think you'll get um, value out of this week we'll put those and any other ones on the website for you so thanks as always to everyone for listening. We really do appreciate everybody's ongoing support and everyone who is kind of part of our community. If you do want to get a little bit more involved, you can follow us on Instagram at amazingif. And uh, to be honest, it's worth following us on Instagram for Helen's daily career mm. tips that she does on Instagram <laughs> stories, which I just watch every day and find really useful and think, oh, I'm so proud of us, even though I don't <laughs> actually contribute to it. So um, You do when I force you. I do, I do. <laughs> Very occasionally I make sort of a, what's, what's the right way to say it? Like a star appearance. That's how I like to think of 
of it, <laughs> which might be slightly overplaying my contribution, but still, like, that makes me feel good. So, um, and please do continue to review us and give us ratings and recommend us to other people. That is so helpful for us. It means we can continue to do the podcast every week. So if you do have a spare five minutes, if you can nip onto iTunes or however you listen to your podcast and let us know what you think. We read every single review and find them so helpful. And we always love knowing your ideas for future uh, podcast episode ideas. And so next week, we're going to be talking about how to be yourself at work. Sort of, it sounds simple, potentially, on paper, but uh, I think we all know sometimes the reality can be quite tricky. So we're going to talk about almost like bringing your authentic self to work. What does that mean? How you can do it? And what to do if you feel like that's not what you're able to do at the moment. So in the meantime, have a really good week. And thanks again for listening. Bye, everyone. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 